All right. Wow. What an amazing day. So many good things happening. Um, all right. We're diving in today to the second part of a series we launched last week called Paul's Letter to the Philippians. We are, we're spending the next few weeks deeply exploring this amazing, beautiful letter that was written by the Apostle Paul who planted the church at Philippi, and 10 years later, he's in prison. He's bound for his faith in Jesus, and he's writing them a letter telling them how much he loves them, thanking them for their support and encouragement, and then giving them some support and encouragement in response. And today, this might be my favorite part of the letter. I'm going to read you a portion of the letter, um, and I want you to follow along very closely, and then we're going to go down and break it out. I'm not going to give any more introductory remarks. I want to dive right in to the passage. This is Philippians chapter 1, beginning with verse 12. It says this. Now, I want you to know, brothers and sisters... That what has happened to me, he says, has actually served to advance the gospel. Apostle Paul's in jail. He's saying, the thing that's happened to me is actually advancing the gospel. As a result, he said, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. And because of my chains, notice this, because of my chains... Most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. In other words, my bondage leads to their boldness, the Apostle Paul saying. Because of the chains, the brothers and sisters are even more confident to proclaim the gospel. It is true, he said, verse 15, that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry. Not everybody's got the purest of motives. But others preach Christ out of goodwill. He said, the latter do so out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, not sincerely, supposing they can stir up trouble for me while I am in chains. But I love what he says. Verse 18. But what does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or from true motives, Christ is preached. Christ is preached. And because of this, I rejoice. In fact, he said, yes, I, I rejoice even more, verse 19, for I know that through your prayers and God's provision, somebody say prayers and provision. That's a tattoo right there. Somebody should tweet that. <laughs> prayers and provision of the spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed. But I will have sufficient courage so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. For me, for to me, he said, to live is Christ and to die is gain. <laughs> Man, this attitude is, is infecting me. I'm enjoying this, Paul. If I am going to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yeah. Yet, what shall I choose? I don't know. I mean, he's literally going, I don't know, life, death. I don't know. I'm, 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 what do I choose? He says, I don't know. I'm torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far. But it is more necessary for you that I remain in the body. Would you turn to your neighbor this morning and tell him the title of my sermon? Just tell him it's a no-lose situation. It's a no-lose 
it's a no-lose situation. <laughs> let's take a moment. Let's bow our heads. God, you're so good. When things are going well, you win. When things are going poorly, you win. When we're up, you win. When we're down, you win. When we proclaim the gospel and freely move about, you win. When we're bound in chains, you win. It's a no-lose situation, Lord. And I pray, Lord, that you would, you, would, you would bake this truth deep into our hearts today. Drop it deep into the soil of our souls today. Help us understand, Lord God, that when we are in you, every circumstance is a no-lose situation. We love you. We thank you. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. In March of 2016, there was a pretty famous mixed martial arts fight at the MGM Grand Arena. I know I lost about three quarters of you just now, but just hang with me for this illustration. The fight was between someone who many know. His name was the notorious Conor McGregor. Anybody ever heard of Conor McGregor? Three, three people, nine, nine people. Uh, Conor McGregor was the featherweight champion of the world. He, he had knocked out 17 of his prior 19 opponents. He was just on the rise. His star was on the rise. And his opponent at the MGM Grand Arena had dropped out due to injury. So they began to reach out to other potential opponents and say, hey, would you like to come and fight? But the problem was there was only 11 days to the fight. So the people that were being offered the fight were like, no, 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 no. I don't want to step into the ring with just 11 days to train and prepare. I don't want to do it. So they reached out to a, a talented but, let's say, inconsistent fighter by the name of Nathaniel Diaz. A young man named Nathaniel Diaz had a record of 18 and 10. He was just kind of a middle fighter. He was talented but not great. And they said, would you like to take this fight? Nate Diaz said, with 11 days' notice, you better believe I'll take this fight. Because Nate Diaz understood something. He understood that this was a no-lose situation for him. Now, it's not that he was going to win the fight, necessarily. But he knew that just by showing up, people would say, man, this man is strong, he's brave, he's courageous, his respect level is going to go up, his reputation is going to go up. If he just shows up to the fight, it's a win in the eyes of the boxing world and the fighting world. And it was going to be the biggest purse that he ever received. It was going to be the most biggest payday he ever got. So whether or not he was going to win the fight, he was in a no-lose situation. The odds were stacked against him. The critics, nobody expected him to win. So if he lost, they would say, hey, man, you put up a good fight, and we're so thankful that you stepped up. If he won, people would go, oh, my Lord, this is incredible. What a huge upset. And either way, he gets a big payday. It's a no-lose situation. I hate to give it away, but I'll just give it away. In the second round of the fight, Nate Diaz submitted Conor McGregor and became a household name in the fight world, right? Because he was willing to step up into a fight that seemed difficult and challenging, but he understood something. He understood that he was in a no-lose situation. The Apostle Paul in this letter is telling the church, hey church, we are in a no-lose situation. He said, look, if I'm, if I'm a free to go out and proclaim the gospel, that's a win. If I'm bound in chains, the brothers and sisters become more bold to proclaim the gospel. That's a win. He said, if they go out and preach out of goodwill and motive and good motives and out of purity of heart, that's a win. If they go out and preach out of selfish ambition, trying to fill a leadership vacuum and, 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 and somehow mess me up, 
That's a win because Christ is being proclaimed. And then he takes it a level deeper and goes, you know what? If I'm alive, that's a win because I can go out and proclaim the gospel. But if I die, that's a win because I'm going to go be with Christ. Either way, I'm in a no-lose situation. Can I just tell somebody today, you are in a no-lose situation. If you are in Christ, you're in a no-lose situation. When we face difficulties, hardships, obstacles, objections, we have three options. Are you ready? Here they are. Resentment, resignation, or rejoicing. Those are your three basic options when you run into hard times, when you run into difficulties, when you run into antagonism, when you run into hurt, pain, difficulty, challenges in life. You have three options. Resentment is, I've been hurt so many times, I'm going to put a hard, cynical exterior shell around me. Nobody will ever hurt me again. I'm going I'm to fight back with acrimony. I'm going to fight back with bitterness. I'm angry at the world, and nobody's going to mess with me. That's, that's, that's resentment. That will burn you up. Can I just tell you? That will burn you up. I've met so many people that are so full of resentment. It will burn you up. And you're doing it out of, out of self-defense. You're doing it because you've been hurt before. So you, you put this wall up. The second way is resignation. That's when we say, you know what, forget it. I just give up. I'm not even going to mess with it anymore. I'm not even going to try anymore. I keep getting hit, hit this way and that. And I'm struggling. I, I just, I'm hopeless. I'm despairing. I'm despondent. I can't even mess with it anymore. Right? That's a person that's not, they're not indignant. They're not resentful. They're just, they've just surrendered. They're just, they're just broken. Apostle Paul says, listen, I'm going to rejoice. You know how many, he, he says rejoice so many, he says rejoice, I think 14 times in this letter. He says, I'm going to rejoice because in good times or bad, when it's sun shining or when it's raining, when I'm free or when I'm bound, it's a no-lose situation for me. And so I'm going to rejoice in God. Church, I want to just tell you, I'm going to tell you this 15 times today. When you are in Christ, you are in a no-lose situation. When you face battles, you grow in confidence. When you face trials, you grow in perseverance. When you face adversity, God uses that to advance you. When you face frustrations, fights, and futility, God says, I can use that to it. In fact, the, the Bible says, all things work together for the good of those who love the Lord and who are called according to his purpose. When he says all things, that means good times and bad. Heartache and pain. Sunshine and rain. I think there's a song along those lines. So what I want to preach to you today is don't be discouraged in your troubles. Don't be despondent. Don't be dismayed. Rejoice and take heart because in Christ, every circumstance is a no-lose situation. Let's dig in. Let's dig in and, and, and look at this letter a little more deeply. Let's start with verse 14. He says, because of my chains... Because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. If you're taking notes, write this down. Battles build boldness. Battles build boldness. When we read about David and Goliath, the story of David and Goliath, which I read to, to one of my sons this week, we see a stark contrast between this young brother David, the youngest of the brothers, the youngest of eight, a stark contrast between him and his three older brothers. His three older brothers are at the battle lines with the army of the Israelites. They're better trained. They're stronger. They're bigger. They're better equipped. But they're facing a giant who has come down to the valley of Elah, the Philistine from Gath named Goliath. 
When David comes to the battle lines, he's not coming to do battle. He's coming to deliver sandwiches that his father gave to him. He said, take this bread, take this cheese, take this grain, and go feed your brothers. Give them some grilled cheese sandwiches, and then get back here and watch the sheep. David comes to the battle lines, and he starts to hear this Philistine defying the armies of Israel. But there's a difference in his demeanor between him and his brothers. His brothers and the whole Israelite army are terrified and shaken in their boots. David comes to the battle line and says, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that's defying the armies of God? What is the reward for somebody who takes out this giant? He keeps asking people that. If you read the scripture, he keeps asking people, hey, what, what happens to the person who takes out the giant? And his brothers are like, would you just shut up and go home? Get, get out of here. Take your Nabisco and scram. All right, get out. Get back with the sheep. He wants to know why. Why is he bold? Why is he more bold than Saul, who's head and shoulders above every, every man? Why is he bolder than Abner, who's the general of the army? Why is he bolder than every uh, Israelite soldier in the army? The answer is very simple. Previous battles. Previous battles. You see, David had been out in the field with the sheep for many, many years. And when a lion would come along, which it did from time to time, David would take that sling and he would take that lion out. If you read the scripture, it says he went and then he would go take the lion by the hair. <laughs> Kill the lion and save the sheep out of the mouth and out of the paw of the lion. And on one occasion, a bear came over the hill to eat a, to eat a, to eat a little lamb. David took his sling, took out the bear. So when he goes to Saul and says, Saul, I can fight this Philistine. Saul says, you can't fight this Philistine. You're just but a boy. He's a mighty man of war. He's somebody that's, that's very experienced. Remember what David says, one of my favorite lines. He says, the Lord who saved me from the paw of the lion, the Lord who saved me from the paw of the bear, will surely save me from the hand of this uncircumcised Philistine. In other words, battles build boldness. He'd faced some battles before. He had faced some adversity before. This wasn't his first rodeo. He came to the battle with some previous experience and said, I've seen this kind of thing before. I'm confident in the Lord because I've been there before. I've already walked this path. Church, can I tell you, do not run from the battles before you. Do not run from the challenges before you. If you don't face the battle, you don't get the boldness. If you don't face the conflict, you don't gain the confidence. If you don't face resistance in life, you can't build resi resilience. If you don't face the struggle, somebody get with me. If you don't face the struggle, you don't build the strength. If you go into a gym, you're going to see people lifting difficult, heavy things. It's resistance. It's the resistance. It's time under pressure. It's resistance that builds the strength. David said, I've been down this road before and I am not afraid. I want to challenge somebody today. Don't run from the battles before you. Don't hide from the conflict before you. Don't cower from difficulty and hardship because it's in those battles that God will build you. He'll build your strength in the midst of those battles. The Apostle James says, I don't have this on the slide. He says, my brothers, count it all joy when you face trials of various kinds. Knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. He said, let patience have its full effect so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. It's the battle that builds the boldness in you. Don't miss, don't miss the opportunity 
that arises in opposition. Because what happens in life is if you don't learn the lesson that God wants you to learn when you're facing the obstacle that you're facing, you're going to have to come back around to that same obstacle at a later date and face off again. Because you can't grow past that opposition until you've grown through that opposition. Anybody with me this morning? So don't miss out on the opportunity that arises in opposition. Okay. All right, let's go to verse 15. He keeps pushing in deeper here. He says, it's true. It's true. Some preach out of envy and rivalry, others out of goodwill. The latter out of love, knowing that I'm put here for the defense of the gospel. The former out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing they can stir up trouble for me. They want to be antagonistic while I'm in chains. What does it matter, right? It's a no-lose situation, he says. The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached. And because of this, I rejoice. Yes, and I will continue to rejoice. Here's your second note. Adversity brings advancement. Adversity brings advancement. The Apostle Paul is saying that while I'm bound in chains, there are some of the brothers in Christ that are now going out and preaching, but they're actually doing it just to advance their own career. They're just trying to, they're just trying to puff themselves up. He says, but that doesn't really bother me because as long as they're preaching the gospel, they're preaching the gospel, and I'm good with it. Can I just give you a, a, a non-intuitive piece of wisdom this morning? Don't block everybody that bothers you out of your life. Don't try to remove every antagonist out of your life. Don't try to avoid everybody who opposes you. Because sometimes your adversaries are the key to your advancement. Somebody should be writing this down. Just write it down. In Genesis 37, we read about Joseph. I'm taking you from David to Joseph. I'm going to take you all over the map today. We read about Joseph. Joseph had opposition in the form of 11 other brothers. 11 brothers were filled with anger, jealousy, and hatred towards their brother. They did not like him. God had a plan for Joseph. God had a destiny for Joseph. God could have said, listen, all of you plotting against my chosen one, I'm going to remove you from the process. But he did not do that. In fact, the brothers said, look, we're going to take this young man and we just don't like him, so we're going to kill him. Reuben said, don't kill him. Put him in a cistern. Put him in a big, deep well. Let's just do that. So they put him in a big, deep well. The Midianites come. They're on their way to Egypt. They say, hey, you want to buy this? You want to buy our brother? They sell their brother into slavery. They sell him into slavery. That's the first one. That's the first strike against him. He gets sold into slavery. He starts working for somebody in the royal court named Potiphar. Potiphar's wife falsely accuses him. He ends up in prison. He start, he's, he's, he's got people moving against him in every corner. He gets to prison. He starts helping people out. The cupbearer and the baker the, that were with the, 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 the Pharaoh. And they were in prison. They were in trouble. He helps them out. They said, hey, man, we get out. We'll remember you. We got your back. They forgot about him. They betrayed him. Everybody was opposing this young man. Everybody was opposing him. Everybody was against him. They were either antagonistic or they just they were apathetic. But, but they, didn't, they weren't for him. They weren't helping him. God could have said, I'm gonna, I need to clear all these people out of his life. But he used every single one of those people because at the exact right time, two years later, he brought him out of prison, put him in, the, in, in front of Pharaoh, and Joseph was able to give Pharaoh wisdom that saved the entire land. Right? He used all of these adversaries and all these adverse situations and all of these adverse circumstances to put 
Joseph exactly where he needed to be. This is why when Joseph's brothers came and Joseph was no longer able to to keep back his true identity and he saw his brothers who had betrayed him, who had turned their backs on him, who had plotted to murder him and who sold him into slavery, the scripture says that he went and he fell on their necks and he wept and he loved them and he thanked them and he put his arms around them. And they were terrified because in in Genesis 50 it says his brothers went and fell down before his face. They said, behold, we are your servants. They were terrified of what was about to happen. They were terrified. Why were they terrified? Because they knew that they had betrayed him and that now he had the power to crush them. He could crush his adversaries, but he didn't. It said, Joseph said to them, do not be afraid, for am I in the place of God? And then it's the best line in the whole story. But as for you, you meant evil against me. But God meant evil for good. In other words, don't run from your adversaries. Your adversaries can be the key to your advancement. If, you don't, if I haven't convinced you, there was one disciple that really didn't like Jesus. I don't know if you remember him. His name was Judas. He hung around a lot. If I'm Jesus, I'd be like, I don't know if I want this guy sleeping in the next tent over here. I don't know if I want him carrying the money bag. I don't know if I want him hanging around me all day. But God had, Jesus had the foresight and the wisdom and the knowledge and the understanding to know that this adversary was the key to his advancement. If it hadn't been, if it hadn't been for Judas, Judas is the one that went and betrayed Jesus. It was that betrayal that brought the Roman soldiers to him. In fact, Peter tried to jump in and stop an adversary, if you remember. Peter said, well, we've got to stop these people. Drew out his sword, cut off the ear of one of the servants of the Roman soldiers. Jesus said, no, 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 don't do that. Let me, let me put this ear back in play here. Hold on. Let me put this back on here. He said, we need these adversaries in order to advance the cause. When Pilate said, oh, if you're the, if you're the king, why don't you do something about it? Jesus said, I could call down 10,000 angels and put a stop to this right now. But I need these adversaries to help advance the cause and to help advance the purpose. Can I just tell you, church, don't run from every adversary. Don't block every opponent. Don't run from every difficulty and hardship. Don't even run from all the people who oppose you because God, if you're in Christ, God will use your adversaries to advance his mission. The great, the great uh, early church father Tertullian said, when faced with persecution, said, in essence, the blood of the saints is the seed of the church. He said, he said adversarial situations, difficulties and hardships will make you grow and will advance the kingdom. Adversity brings advancement. All right, I'm going to take it one layer deeper, one layer deeper, because this is where he goes all in. Verse 20. I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but I'll have sufficient courage so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. I mean, he's saying things that, man, you got to, you got to be with Jesus for a long time before you can say that with just absolute confidence. If I live, all good. If I don't, all good, right? Whether by life or by death. For to me, he said, to live is Christ. Meaning, if I'm alive, I'm putting it all into Jesus. I'm in Jesus. I'm for Jesus. I'm exalting Jesus with everything I do. I'm exalting Jesus with my work, with my family, with my relationships, with my school, with my job. If I'm in Christ and if I'm still alive, I'm going to advance the cause of Christ. For to me, to live is Christ, but to die, he said, is gain. If I go on living in the body, this is mean fruitful labor for me. 
What shall I choose? I don't know. I'm torn between the two. I don't know anybody who's torn between the two. The Apostle Paul is, let's get toward, you know, we'll follow him as he follows Christ. But for me, I'm, I'm going to choose, I want to be alive. That's what I want to be, right? But Paul says, hey, either way, it's a no-lose situation. It's a win-win situation. If I go with, if I stay alive, it's fruitful labor. If I die, I'm with Christ. It's hard for me to choose between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far. But it's more necessary for you that I remain in the body. Last note, write this down. Even death itself is a pathway to victory. What that means is that there is nothing, nothing on this earth, above this earth, under this earth, that can harm you if you are in Christ. Jesus even said, don't be, don't be fearful of people who can harm the body. Just know that the, that the one who can harm the body and the soul, that's the one who you need to follow. I want us to get this so deeply, church, because when you understand where you, where you are in relation to Christ, you really begin to understand that you can have confidence and boldness. You can walk in grace and joy. You can walk with, with your head up because it's a no-lose situation in Christ. I'm going to take you one, one more. I took you, for, I took you to David. Then I went to Joseph. Now I'm going to take you to the book of Daniel. There were three young men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And they were told by the king, Nebuchadnezzar, hey, I'm going to build this big statue I'm going to build this big gold statue, and, I, and, and everybody, I'm going to play. I'm going to have the governors come, and the senators, everybody's going to come. We're going to play the harp and the, lute and the, and the, and the lyre and the zither and the, all the, the stringed instruments and the cymbals and the gong, and we're going to do it all, and I want everybody to bow down. So they did all of that. They played the music. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, everybody is, everybody's bowing down, but these three young men are not bowing down. Well, Nebuchadnezzar is very angry about this. Because he gave an edict and he expected the order to be followed. Scripture says in Daniel 3, it says, furious with rage. When the king of the land is furious with rage at you, that's dangerous. Furious with rage, Nebuchadnezzar summoned Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So they were brought before the king. Nebuchadnezzar said to them, is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the image of gold that I have set up? Is that true? Is that true? He says, if you're ready to fall down and worship... The image I made, all good. We're fine. But if you do not worship it, you will be thrown immediately into a blazing furnace. Then what God will be able to rescue you from my hand? Oh, I love how he asked that question. <laughs> what God is going to save you from my hand? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to him, King Nebuchadnezzar, we don't even need to talk to you about this situation. Like, we're doing you a favor by having this conversation right now. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve, somebody say, is able to deliver us from it. And the God we serve will deliver us. Somebody say, will deliver. Will deliver us. Pray your majesty's hand. Verse 18. But even if he does not. Somebody say, even if. Even if he does not, we want you to know. We really want you to know this. Your majesty, we will not serve your God to worship the image of gold you have set up. You see what they're saying? They're saying it's a, it's a win-win situation for us. It's a no-lose situation for us. The God we serve is capable. He's able. He has the power. The God we serve, is he's got a purpose. He wants to save us. We think he will save us. But even if he doesn't, right? If he saves us, great. We're, we, we get to keep walking in him, serving him, bowing before him. 
But if not, we walk into his loving embrace and we're good either way. It's a no-lose situation for us. I don't have this slide for you, but I just want you to hear this because this is from Romans 8. It says this. It says, if God is for us, who can be against us? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, peril, sword? No. In all these things, it says, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded, the Apostle Paul says, that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Jesus said, in this world you will have trouble. Take heart, I've already overcome the world. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. The Apostle Paul says, death has been swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your sting? Oh, grave, where is your victory? It's a no-lose situation for every single person in Christ. When you're free, that's a win. When you're in chains, that's a win. When people are sincere, that's a win. When they're insincere, that's a win. When they love you, that's a win. When they hate you, that's a win. When they applaud you, that's a win. When they oppose you, that's a win. When you're healthy, that's a win. When you're sick, that's a win. When you're alive, that's a win. If you die, that's a win. You are in a no-lose situation, folks. I'm going to close with this. Because here, that's, that's, I want to be in that situation. I personally want to be somebody who goes, God... I want to be able to speak the same way the Apostle Paul speaks. I want to be able to have the, the confidence and the candor and the freedom to say, hey, man, it's a win-win situation. It's a no-lose situation for me. How do I get there? How do you get there? He, he gives us the answer. It's just tucked right in the middle of the letter. Verse 18, remember, he says, I know that through your prayers and God's provision. Somebody say prayers and provision. Your prayers and God's provision of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me, will turn out for my deliverance. How do I experience that boldness? How do I experience that confidence? How do I experience that joy? How do I walk in the favor of God? Last note, your prayers, God's provision. I want to challenge you. Spend some time with the Lord. Because when you spend time with the Lord, you get a different perspective. You start to recognize that things are a little bit different than you thought. Instead of just looking at things in a, in a, in a present circumstance situation, you start to see a bigger picture. You start to zoom out and see things from an eternal perspective. You start to zoom out and see things the way God sees things. You start to zoom out and go, okay, God, I understand what you're doing. When I'm in a troubled situation, when I'm in a difficult situation, I can tend to, 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 to either become resentful, right? Or, or, I, can, or I can tend to, to, to surrender and just go, oh, I, don't, I don't know what to do. Paul says rejoice. Rejoice. Because... God is trying to do something in you. God is trying to do something through you. When I pray, my prayer now is, God, what do you want to do in me through this situation? What are you trying to accomplish? Not get me out of the situation. Not get me out of the circumstances. Build something in me. Make me some, into something through this situation. Advance your mission. Advance your kingdom through this situation. Take me where you want me to go. Let me understand, like the Apostle Paul says, to live is Christ and to die is gain. It's a no-lose situation. Would you bow your heads with me as we close this morning? God, I pray for every single person here. 
Some are experiencing very hard, difficult, challenging things. Some are in a time of prosperity, and they're not in the midst of that. But you know, and I know, and they know that they're going to face hardships and various trials. I pray that in those moments, we will have spent time in prayer understanding your provision, recognizing that you're with us no matter what. There's nothing that can separate us from your love. There's nothing that can separate us from your purpose. There's nothing that can separate us from your power. I pray that each and every one of us today would come with open hearts and say, God, what are you trying to do in me? What are you trying to do through me? How can your kingdom advance through this situation? I'm here for it, God. I'm available, God. I'm stepping into the opportunity of opposition, Lord. I'm ready for whatever you have. Use me, God. Let me be your servant. Let me be your vessel. Let me be your child. We love you. We thank you. We praise you. We honor you. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen, amen.